Grace and peace to you this morning as we gather. I invite you to take maybe two or three deep breaths, just a chance to center ourselves in this place and in this space. Eventually, those that are out there will come in here, I'm sure. <laughs> Let us now prepare our hearts and minds to worship God. Good morning. Here's the call to worship. It is in this place of holiness that we can come with our fears, our doubts, and all the questions on our hearts. It is in this place of discovery that we can come searching. We can come to this place to find the one who is always with us. It is in this place of openness that we can come knocking. We come to this place to be embraced by God, whose heart is always open. may be seated. Welcome. Welcome to worship at Westminster. It is good to be together today. If you're visiting with us, special welcome to you. If it's been a while, maybe since pre-pandemic that you've been with us, welcome to you. I do invite you after worship to join us out in our patio area. We've got coffee and tea and some donut holes, of course, um, as well special guests that you'll hear about later in the service. Our Pedal for Protein table is here today. I know. Very exciting. I refer to this day as Chocolate Sunday. 
You'll hear more about that later. Um, I do invite you sitting here in the middle during our offering time, if you'd grab that pew register and sign it, pass it down the aisle, pass it back. A great way to be able to greet people by name after worship. A great way if we don't yet have your contact information to, to let us know more about you. Uh, let's join together now in our community prayer. Let us pray. Loving God, we confess that sometimes we have looked for the wrong things. We have pursued worldly measures of success. We've clamored for instant gratification. We desire more and more and are never fulfilled. Forgive us for not seeking, searching, and desiring you. For in you we find refuge and rest. In you we find steadfast love. Call us back to you, reminding us that you are right here with us always. Amen. Our prayers continue in quiet. Amen. Friends, hear the good news that Christ calls us to follow him, and he does not lead us astray. For the path of Christ is one of abiding love, of forgiveness, and of renewal. In Christ, we are forgiven. We are made new. Thanks be to God. Amen. Now, as we continue with our joys and concerns, uh, now is the time for you to share what's on your hearts and minds today. I would offer a prayer for Rob and his family. They'll be out of town for the next couple of weeks uh, visiting Rob's parents in Indiana. Um, so prayers for a nice time of renewal uh, as they are away. And what else, what else should be in our prayers today? Yeah. Yeah, prayers for friend Byron had open heart surgery last week and is having a tough recovery. Others? Yeah, Patty. Do you want me to share? I have a feeling I know what you're going to say. Uh, prayers for Patty. Her mother died uh, about a week and a half ago. Um, so we certainly hold you in our prayers, Patty, you and your family. Absolutely. Um, I'd also include Nancy Leung. Uh, she she um, lost both her aunt and her dad last week. Uh, both had been ill, neither was a surprise, but that's a lot of loss in one week, so prayers for Nancy. Jim, I saw your hand. Oh my goodness. 
So, so, Jim shares, I think he's still trying to decide if it's a joy or a concern. Uh, the joy, he, uh, he and Martha got to visit family in Colorado, um, and they, they had an adventure all the way to the top of the Continental Divide at 12,000 feet. Wow. Yeah, Lee. Congratulations, 50th wedding anniversary for Lee and her husband. Congratulations. Anyone else? Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Absolutely. Two pets that are sick right now. Prayers for them and your family. Yeah. Let's take just a few moments in quiet. Certainly have a lot of prayers to hold in our hearts today. And then I'll lead us in the Lord's Prayer. Let us pray. God of grace, we pray that you may be known to us in our gathering together this morning. Be present in the songs we sing, the prayers we raise. We come here today to find once again that you are always present, always ready to receive and love us. So surround us now with the courage and comfort of your Holy Spirit. And hear us now as together we pray the prayer your Son taught us, saying, Our Father.
Amen. Thank you. I'd now like to invite any of the children who are worshiping with us to join me here at the front. I don't know if any of you, I'm singing, shaking head. That's okay. You can stay right where you are if you want to. Oh, welcome to summer at Westminster. Lots of people traveling. That's okay. I can talk to you right where you're sitting. I can talk to all of you. So I wanted to share a story, a brief story, uh, about happened about nine years ago. My family went to Legoland, and my son was about six at the time, doing all the Legoland things. And there's this one thing, it was sort of like a treehouse climbing thing, and Cammie and I are like, we are not doing the treehouse climbing thing. So there was just this one entrance, so we sent six-year-old Ben in on his own, Um, thinking, oh, it's okay, he can do his climbing thing, and then we'll see him come out. And he was in there forever. (laughs) I'm like, well, he likes to climb, that's okay. But then he was in there longer and longer and longer, and suddenly we're like, I feel like he's been in there too long. So we sort of peek in, look at the climbing thing, and he's not in there anymore. Like, wait a minute, we have been here at the entrance. We didn't see him come out. And then we realize there was a second way to come out. And then panic sets in, right? We have lost our six-year-old at Legoland. So we're searching around, looking, 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 looking. And finally, this is what we find. I have photographic evidence here. This is what we find. So this right here is Ben. (laughs) If you can't see, he's got a smile on his face. He's got a weird pose. He's sitting on a ride all by himself. Now... Does he look panicked? No. Does he look lost? No. He's having the time of his life. So what happened was he finished climbing on the treehouse climb, went out the exit that we didn't know existed, went and got in line on another ride and rode the ride all by himself without thinking to let his parents know where he had gone. But he doesn't feel lost at all. No, he is just having the time of his life while his parents lost years off of their life. (laughs) So I thought about this story because in Sunday school today, um, our kids are going to hear a similar story. The only story we have of Jesus as a child. We have stories of Jesus as a baby. We have lots of stories of Jesus as an adult. We have one story, Jesus when he was 12 years old. um, And his parents lost him. And, but then they found him. The story ends happily. Um, so Chris is back there. Um, if you, if you uh, want to go hear more of that story, you are welcome to. Um, kids are also welcome to stay in worship and, and join us there. So um, Chris, I don't know if you're going to have any takers or not. We'll see. But let's sing. Go now in peace. Go now in peace. May the The first scripture this morning comes from Psalm 138. Listen to what the Spirit says to you. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods I sing your praise. I bow down towards your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted your name and your word above everything. On the day I called, you answered me. 
you increase my strength of soul. All the kings of the earth shall praise you, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth. They shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, God regards the lowly, but the haughty God perceives from far away. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve me against the wrath of my enemies. You stretch out your hand, and your right hand delivers me. God will fulfill God's purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the works of your hands. This is holy wisdom, holy world. Thanks be to God. Our second reading today is from the Gospel according to Luke. It says, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us, and do not bring us to the time of trial. Jesus said to them, suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, do not bother me, the door has already been locked. My children are in bed with me. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find, knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds, and for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This too is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. So one of my favorite authors wrote this about her own prayer life. She said, I have shelves full of prayer books and books on prayer. I have file drawers full of notes from courses I have taught and taken on prayer. I have meditation benches I have used twice. <laughs> prayer mantras I have intoned for as long as a week. I have invested a small fortune in icons, candles, and incense burners and I am a failure at prayer. When people ask me about my prayer life, my mind starts scrambling for ways to hide my problem. I start talking about other things I do, 
that I hope will make me sound like a godly person. I asked the other person to tell me about her prayer life and hope she doesn't notice that I changed the subject. I would rather show someone my bank statement than admit that I'm bad at prayer. I would rather confess that I am a rotten godmother than confess that I am a prayer weakling. So who said all of this? Her name is Barbara Brown Taylor, and she wrote that in her book, An Altar in the World. It may be familiar to some of you. Our Spiritual Life book group actually read it early last year. So Barbara Brown Taylor is an Episcopal priest. She is a seminary professor. Uh, she has edited a very widely known theological journal. She's written at least a dozen theological books. And if she is a failure at prayer, what hope is there for the rest of us? My goodness. So it's no wonder that the disciples come to Jesus and ask him to teach them about prayer. Prayer can be challenging. Now often, Jesus can be a little cagey when people ask him things. He often likes to respond to a question with another question. But in this case, he actually is very direct with his disciples. When they ask him to teach them about prayer, he offers them very specific lines. Lines that likely sound familiar because we just said them earlier in worship. You know, lines that are the basis for the Lord's Prayer. But I find it interesting that in this story from Luke's Gospel, that is 13 verses, Jesus only spends three lines giving specific examples of what we might say in prayer. The whole rest of the time that he's talking to his disciples, Jesus actually seems relatively unconcerned with the mechanics of prayer. Instead, he is much more concerned about the one to whom we pray. Now, Jesus doesn't seem to really care too much about the nature of our exact prayers, but he cares a lot about the nature of God. You know, I read one commentary that suggested that Jesus is all about invitation rather than explanation. You know, Jesus wants to invite us into a relationship with God who always hears and responds to our prayers. And Jesus is much more about the who of prayer than the, the what or the why or the how. And I find this helpful. I, I love to hear reminders about God's presence with me always. Reminders about how God has this unconditional, unending love for all of God's children. You know, thank you, Jesus, for reminding us that God is with us in prayer, always hearing, always responding. I mean, Jesus himself says, ask and it will be given. Search and you will find, knock, and the door will be opened. You know, this is good news. And I think it's important to note, before we go any further, that these lines don't mean that God is some sort of magical genie waiting to respond to our every single wish, right? God also not a vending machine, you know, thinking that we just stick our prayer in and get out whatever we might want. 
Now, that is not the nature of prayer. That's not the nature of God. Now, hopefully, at this point in our faith journeys, we know that prayer requires some work on our part. You know, I think about that phrase, thoughts and prayers, that is said an awful lot and seems to have lost a lot of meaning in our society today. I found a cartoon from a few years back. There's a man that is basically sinking in the ice water, and another man walks by saying, remind me to tweet him my thoughts and prayers. Right? We hear thoughts and prayers a lot from our politicians, often after a a national tragedy. We've heard it a lot after mass shootings offering thoughts and prayers, but then not quite willing to do the work necessary to make and create lasting change. Now, God is not a genie. God is not a vending machine. Offering prayers is just one part of a much larger puzzle, a very important part, but a puzzle that also requires work on our part. Another author, Mark Scandrett, Uh, His book, well, he has many books, but one of them, Practicing the Way of Jesus. And his book basically details a large experiment that he and several others undertook to very specifically live out Jesus' teachings. And this is how Skandret describes their experience. He says, what if instead of talking about prayer, we actually prayed? Or what if, in addition to studying and thinking about God's heart for justice, we took action to care for needs? In his book, he talks about a man named Greg, who was a sometimes member of his faith community. And one day, Greg approached Skandret, and he said, I am in a real mess, and I need you to pray for me. And Greg went on to describe the anxiety and the stress that he was having because of several financial burdens, including thousands of dollars owed to an ex-girlfriend. And then he said, please pray that God will free me from these bad habits. So Skandret said that he hesitated for a moment because he knew Greg, and he knew that Greg tended to look for magical thinking to be a solution to his persistent problems. And so he asked Greg about his financial plans. He said, do you have a plan for how you are going to deal with your debts? And Greg responded, well, anything that I can do to change will take months or maybe even years. I need a solution now. And Skandret told him, I'm not going to pray for you in the way that you're asking me to. He goes on to explain, of course, it would be great if we could pray and magically be changed, erasing the consequences of years of bad choices. Instead, we first must begin to reimagine a new way by considering what the old and tired patterns are that need to change. Now, certainly we have all offered those types of prayers, yet praying for something to suddenly change even though we haven't actually done the work. You know, I think about a student praying, please God, I need an A on this test even though I haven't studied at all. Or, God, I really, really would like this promotion that I'm utterly unqualified for. Or, please, please improve my finances even though my spending habits are absolutely not going to change. And probably familiar prayers to all of us. But 
God is not just sitting around waiting to do the hard work that we don't want to do. You know, so it's not really a complete surprise when those kinds of prayers don't seem to be answered. But what about those times when we do the work and our prayers still don't seem to be answered? You know, take a new job, a new job for which we are very qualified, for which we have interviewed really well, for which we are praying fervently, and we don't get the new job. Or the situation where a loved one is ill and we are praying for them to get better and they don't. What about those times? You know, I am asking God, why am I not receiving? You know, I am knocking, why is the door not opening? Those are the tough questions. And those are questions I'm not going to answer today. Because I don't know the answers, right? Add them to the long list of theological questions that we don't have an answer for. I don't know why some people get well and some don't. I don't know why good things happen to bad people. I don't know why some prayers seem to be answered exactly how we want and some don't. Our faith certainly has a lot of mystery involved. What I do know, however, is at least... In this passage from Luke's gospel, Jesus isn't necessarily promising that our prayers will be answered exactly how we think they should. Now listen to what he says. He says, ask and it will be given you. But what is it? That's the question. So we have to look at the end of the passage where Jesus is talking about earthly parents and how they care for and provide for their children. And then Jesus says, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Jesus isn't promising health or wealth or vitality or success. What Jesus promises is the gift, the blessing of the Holy Spirit. So search and you shall find. What is it that we find? We find a God who always opens that door to love and grace and hope, even if we knock in the middle of the night. We find a God who showers the blessing of the Holy Spirit upon us because, because God loves us so much more than even an earthly parent. That is what we find when we seek. Now, For those of you who have been praying and praying for something and it hasn't happened as you expected, everything I just say probably rings a little hollow. You know, I've had all kinds of conversations with people who have been devastated by seemingly unanswered prayers. And in their anger, in their grief, in their frustration, the only question they can ask is that why question. Why are my prayers not being answered? You know, there's no way they can at that point begin to think about the who to whom Jesus points. The God who is hearing and receiving and answering our prayers with love all of the time. So if you are in that state, that why are my prayers not being answered state, that's okay. Just keep praying. And because that is one of Jesus' main messages in this passage, persistence 
Just keep asking. Just keep searching. Just keep knocking because God will answer always with love. And that's what the psalmist tells us, right? The psalmist who says, your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Forever. So keep offering the good, the bad, the ugly, all that you are to God in prayer. I want to go back to Barbara Brown Taylor, that same chapter on prayer. She talks about a friend she calls a brilliant friend of mine, a teacher in a big university, did everything in his power to ease the suffering of his partner who was dying. She says, one afternoon near the end, I listened to the rawness of his prayers, pleading with God to do something, to work a miracle that would save his partner's life. And then I asked him to tell me about those prayers. You want to know whether I really believe God will intervene like that, he asked me. You wonder if I'm maybe really that naive? Honestly, I don't think it through. Not now. I tell God what I want. I'm not smart enough or strong enough to do anything else. And besides, right now, there's no time. So I tell God what I want, and I trust God to sort it out. Brown concludes, she says, maybe that is what Jesus meant about coming to God as a child. The PhD in prayer is optional. So Taylor calls herself a failure at prayer, but that seems impossible to me. The PhD in prayer is optional. How can one fail at prayer? Maybe, maybe if one just never prayed at all. But see, that seems hard too, because prayer can be so many things, right? A a dialogue, a monologue, sitting in quiet, walking, dancing, singing, as her friend did, just taking everything in our soul and throwing it out there for God to sort out. All of that is prayer. And Jesus reminds us that the effectiveness of prayer is not about what we say or what we do. No, prayer is effective because of the one to whom we pray, the one who loves us unconditionally, the one who showers the blessing of the Holy Spirit on us always. So Barbara Brown Taylor, failure at prayer, so she says. Another author, Anne Lamont, she loves to pray. She, in fact, just a couple weeks ago had an op-ed published in the New York Times all about prayer. I wanted to share with you a few of her words today because I was really struck by the expansiveness of her prayer life. I thought maybe some of it would ring true for you. So Anne Lamott says, Prayer means talking to God or the great universal spirit, a.k.a. Gus. Never heard God called Gus before. Great universal spirit. She says, Prayer connects us umbilically to a spirit both outside and within us who hears and answers. Prayer says, I am tiny, helpless, needy, worried. I wake up praying. It helps me not to fixate on who I am, but whose. I am God's adorable, aging, self-centered, spaced out beloved. I pray to be a good servant because I've learned that this is the path of happiness. It's miserable to be a hater. I pray to be more like Jesus with his crazy compassion and reckless love. Some days go better than others. 
especially when I travel, I talk to so many people who are absolutely undone by all the miseries of the world. I can't do much but listen, commiserate, and offer to pray. In listening by opening my heart to someone in trouble, I create with them more love, less of a grippy clench on our little corner of the universe. When I get on stage for a talk or an interview, I pray to say words that will help the people in the audience who feel the most defeated. When I'm at my most rattled or in victimized self-righteousness, I go for walks. Another way to put my feet to prayer. I pray for help, and in some dimension outside my mind or language, I relax. I can breathe again. A walk is a great prayer. To make eye contact and smile is a kind of prayer, and it changes you. She concludes, I have the theological understanding of an eight-year-old, but Jesus says we need to approach life like children, not like cranky know-it-alls, crazily busy clutching our to-do lists. One of my daily prayers is, slow me down, girlfriend. The prayer changes me. It breaks the toxic trance. God says to Moses the first time they meet, take off your shoes. Be on the earth. Breathe with me a moment. May it be so. Amen.
may be seated. I'd like to invite Patty Sanders forward. I mentioned earlier, Pedal for Protein and Chocolate Sunday. And Patty's gonna tell us a little bit more about that. Uh, she's so creative, Chocolate Sunday, I never thought of that. <laughs> a day doesn't go by, I don't have chocolate. <laughs> Uh, there's a, a couple, several special people here, but I'd like to, uh, Lewis wore his uh, Pedal for Protein jersey and my friend Bev Seabreeze wore her Pedal for Protein jersey and jacket. And by the way, we're trying to reorder jackets and we need a few more orders. So if any of you would like to have a nice bright orange jacket to wear hiking or pedaling, see me outside there. So I have three brief points. Wow, amazing, we can do it again. Wow, it's the ninth year of Pedal for Protein, who knew? Why are we still doing this? The San Francisco Marin Food Bank 2021 Hunger Report states one in five Residents need food assistance. The pandemic exposed what we already know. Hunger does not affect us all equally. Results of the latest food bank survey showed that half of the respondents have lost work due to the pandemic. And half of those people turned to the Marin Food Bank ran San Francisco Food Bank for the first time. There is no vaccine for the hungry. Amazing, Pedal for Protein since 2014 donated $352,000 to our food banks in our Redwoods Presbytery and international food relief projects through the Presbyterian Hunger Program. In 2021, Pedal for Protein, with your help, raised the most ever, $60,000. Amazing. We can do it again. Westminster has supported Pedal for Protein from the beginning with writers like Lewis, Bev, Jim Gibbs, Mark Sachs, Dr. Bob, and more, with, gener and with generous donations through the years. How can you help? Ride, we have a, there's a little information in the back of your bulletin. We have a beautiful five-day ride in Humboldt County right after Presbytery in Arcata, September 10th. There's also a one-day ride in Petaluma this year. So a lot closer, 10 miles or 29 miles. You can donate. Every dollar you donate goes to feed the hungry in the San Francisco Marin Food Bank and all of our food banks in our presbytery. The Marin Food Bank, for every dollar you donate, can supply two meals. For every dollar you donate, two meals. And you can purchase after church, and we had a rousing success after the first service and in between, uh, selling coffee, tea, and chocolate. Organic, fair trade, I mean, what more could you want? Um, so, uh, oh, by the way, I, I just have to do a little show and tell here. Let me 
just forgot. So organic, fair trade, shade-grown coffee, four different kinds of tea, and the world-famous now chocolate bars. So please come and see uh, us after church, and thank you for your uh, many years of support. Thank you, Patty. Petal for Protein, a Presbytery-wide effort. Um, make sure you leave some chocolate for me. Notice I don't even mention the coffee or tea. I'm all about the chocolate. So each week as I prepare for worship, I make some notes about what announcements I want to offer. And my notes today literally say the bulletin things. I want to talk to my last week self and wonder what she was thinking. So the bulletin things... Take a look at your bulletin. We got a lot happening, even here in the summer. Um, highlight R Ruthie is looking for singers for next week. A relatively simple, straightforward piece, right? So maybe this is your chance to break into choral singing if you've been thinking about it and haven't quite yet given it a try. Also, another new announcement for this week is uh, we're already making plans for our women's retreat this fall. It's going to be in October. Um, Breaking news, didn't even get into the bulletin, uh, the Reverend Brooke Scott is going to be our facilitator for the retreat, a former Westminster member who is now a pastor in the Tamales area. So um, just mark your calendars now. Registration details will, will come soon. With that, I invite you either standing or sitting to join together in our closing hymn. It is number 543. <laughs>
fourth line of that hymn reminds me of a benediction that my father would often give as I was growing up. And so as we go from this place, know that God goes before us to guide us, behind us to forgive us, above us to protect us, with us to bless us. Go in peace. Amen.